let these tears fool you. It's all dog around this mug. I'm good. <laughs>
when I think about Jim Haslett, I don't think about some of the dark ages of the New Orleans Saints. Uh, honestly, I think about some of the most promising uh, days of the New Orleans Saints. I mean, Jim Haslett uh, was the first coach to win a playoff game with the New Orleans Saints. I was actually in attendance in, at that game. I want to I want to say I was maybe 13 years old, and I can remember going to that game uh, as the Saints took on the St. Louis Rams. And it's funny because you could tell that that uh, person was pretty young because they felt that was the dark ages. But then you start t- thinking about, you know, people my age, we start thinking about Rick Venturi. We start thinking about Wade Phillips. We start thinking about um, uh, Mike Dicker. We start thinking about coaches like that. We start thinking about players like Billy Joe Holbert, Billy Joe Tolliver, um, Jim Everett, Wade Wilson. I mean, uh, Danny Warfel. The list goes on and on. And I'm probably losing a couple of you. You probably wonder to yourself, who the heck am I talking about? But that's how Saints fans are feeling right now. And the New Orleans Saints have got to fix this. Because when you think about some of those uh, players that I named, those were teams that weren't very good. There there was very little prosperity that was going to take place with that. Honestly, during those times, when the Saints won, you kind of said, the Saints won? You kind of said it in shock because you, you weren't used to it. Now, there is a completely different culture when it comes to talking about Saints football, and it has a lot to do with Sean Payton and Drew Brees because you, you had these two individuals come in 2006. A lot of you that's probably listening to this right now we're probably very, very young, second, third grade. I've heard people say they're around 10 or 12 years old. So honestly, you started to kind of grow and learn about football during the time where the Saints were winning. But now it just seems like the sky is falling and everybody has become chicken little because they're not used to being in this situation. I have to say this, and I I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I'm going to continue to say it. The reality is that the New Orleans Saints are trying desperately to hold on to those glory years because there were few and far in between before Drew Brees and Sean Payton came through the spike. But And I understand that. I understand that you don't want to go back to the 90s. You don't want to go back to the days of the quarterbacks that I mentioned or the coaches that I mentioned. But in order for you to embark on a, a new journey to embark on you know a a new type of Saints football you have to let go of the past and you got to keep moving forward like Sean Payton isn't more than likely he isn't coming back Drew Brees isn't coming back so you got to find ways in order for you to develop a new culture and by trying to dig in the crates and sweat to the oldies you are making the culture even worse because You basically are telling the fan base the organization is so good that no matter who coaching, we're going to win. And that's just not the case. That's the reason why you have so many great coaches out here and they get the big ups because they do such a great job with their organizations, catapulting them forward and making them relevant. What the Saints did when it came to Dennis Allen, to me, that was a little bit of a scare tactic. That was a that was an organization that was afraid of change. That was an organization that was afraid 
of being in a position that they don't want to be in. But their fear, them being so fearful, we're in a situation right now. And I don't see an end in sight. Like I'm I'm serious. I I do not see an end in sight when it comes to being a legit contender. Like I'm not talking about winning football games and and that that's it, right? I mean because any lame duck coach can win some football games. It's about continuing to be a successful franchise. And Dennis Allen to me can't do that. It's just that simple. Like it's rather you got it or you don't. It's rather you're good at what you do or you're not. Dennis Allen possesses a certain skill set that is not uh, the type of skill set that a head coach uh, is supposed to have, right? I mean, he he is good at one particular thing, and that's coaching defense. Other than that, the, like it's pretty obvious that he's not good at being a head coach. And some people would say, well, the offense is the issue. He's more of a defensive guy. I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm pretty sure you saw this as well. The Saints have lost under under Dennis Allen. They have lost in, in every way possible, if you think about it. Giving up a big lead. The offense didn't let them down. The defense didn't let them down. When it comes down to situational football, can you be able to outwit the opposition? They lost in that way. Every way that you can think of that is fathomable, the Saints have lost. So to me, it's not just about, oh, if you get P. Carmichael out of here and replace him with someone else that knows how to run an offense, the Saints will be a Super Bowl contender. Because I don't believe that. And I also don't believe it. It's because you're starting to see something that I have not seen in a Saints locker room in a long time, and that is whispers coming out of the locker room, little cryptic messages from players. And when you start to see stuff like that, that tells you everything that you need to know because no one, if they feared the head coach, is going to come out and be as candid on social media after games as some of these players have been. I haven't seen it. I don't care how bad things were when Sean Payton was the head coach. I mean, it was to a point where a lot of speculation was going on because as fans, as onlookers, even sometimes as reporters, they were not privy to what was going on inside of the organization. You may have like one or two people, maybe like Nick Underhill or someone else that probably was privy to, you know, like, you know, deeper, you know, what was going on like inside the locker room, like, you know, what was really going on, like really getting inside there because they were so, they were so tight, you know, so tight and close knit. Now it's like, we pretty much know. And you're, you're seeing guys, you know, be more open. And to me, I just feel like this is a recipe for disaster. And I also just feel like the Saints organization are extremely stubborn. I feel like they know some of the situations need to change, but instead of them trying to do it, they rather just sit there and double down on it because maybe it's the arrogance of them. Maybe it's just the fact that, you know, they don't care what fans are saying because they feel like as fans, we don't know what we're talking about. But at the end of the day, you cannot fake the funk. You cannot like sit up here and just pretend like we're not seeing what we're seeing. 
what we see is an incompetent coaching staff that is led by a coach historically throughout his coaching career is 18 and 42. And if you don't want to add that Raider record, he's 10 and 14. He has lost more games than he's won overall. And you gave him another chance because you told us that the Raiders organization was dysfunctional and yours is not. And yet here we are in the same position and it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter who the, who the quarterback is, right? You can, you can make an argument though. Jameis Winston was Sean Payton's choice. Well, now you got Derek Carr and it seems like it's the same situation. You had Andy Dalton technically because when Jameis got hurt last year, you refused to put him back in the game. Andy Dalton was your choice, and you couldn't win with him. Derek Carr, as of right now, was your choice, and you can't win with him. So that tells you everything that you need to know. I, I don't understand what the Saints need to see from Dennis Allen, what they need to see from this coaching staff that, that he they feel is going to get everybody back on board. Um, I did a poll. I did a poll on X, um, and I was asking a question about, you know, what would it take? What would it take for the New Orleans Saints organization to be able to get back in the good graces of the fan base? You know, that that was the question, okay? And it, it was a poll, all right? So 1,062 people voted on this, and thank you so much if you did. 26% says that, They'll be back on board if the Saints can go on a winning streak. 5% says if they win a division. 13% says if they win a playoff game. And 56% says if you fired Dennis Allen and P. Carmichael. I mean, the people have spoken. I mean, it is going to be hard to sell people on P. P. Carmichael and Dennis Allen going forward. Like nobody, honestly, at this particular point, is truly believing that the Saints are going to go anywhere. And honestly, nobody has any hope. Like, un, like unless you like a really true diehard Saints fan, which I like to consider myself, but I can't even be that delusional. Nobody is really believing this. Like, for example, the Saints have a game versus the Indianapolis Colts, right? The Indianapolis Colts, they, if I'm not mistaken, they lost yesterday to the Cleveland Browns 39-38. to that the Cleveland Browns have the number one defense in the NFL. And the Indianapolis Colts with Gardner Minshew put up 38 points against them. But yet the New Orleans Saints have struggled to put any type of points on the board, even though last week they put some points up, which was a shock to a lot of people. But does anybody honestly believe that this team can consistently do that? Right? And when you got players, you know, really pretty much you know, in it for themselves because they're so frustrated at the situation. You got Derek Carr throwing his teammates under the bus. I mean, you you got all these things going on. You got Michael Thomas out here, you know, trying to help people understand what Chris Olave was doing on certain plays and trying to encourage him and letting everybody know it wasn't his fault. You got Dennis Allen on press conferences, like minimizing Derek Carr's imperfections, but amplifying Chris Olave's inability to not run the route correctly. So you, you say on one hand, you know, there was some things that he did well, but there's some plays that he could have back. But then you're so open and very, very, you know, candid, uh, you know, about 
Chris Olave not running the right route. So that tells you everything that you need to know right there. That's not a good look at all. And it just sounds like to me that this is going to be a disaster. And especially if the Saints go out here against Indianapolis, they go to Indy and Lucas Oil Stadium, and they put forth an effort that a lot of people feel like leaves a lot to be desired, you might find yourself looking at this team wondering, are they going to be picking in the top 10? I mean, to me, I, I wouldn't, I, I said this on uh, X formula known as Twitter. Also, I do not want to see the Saints picking in the top 10. I don't like, I know some people are like, man, if they pick in the top 10, they'll pick this, but no, based on what I've seen out of this organization, they care more about optics than fixing situations. Like they looking at Derek Carr, it, you can tell, like, honestly, it seems like as of right now, as of right now, it seems like they made a mistake. If it continues to be this way, the Saints organization to me are so stubborn when it comes to certain situations. They can have Drake May. They can have Jordan Travis. They can have Michael Panic Jr., Shadur Sanders sitting right there for them for the taking. And they will sit up there and 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 take a, somebody else that probably not going to end up panning out or somebody that's probably middle of the pack just to say, well, we're happy with the situation that we're in right now. And they will go out there in 2024 and do the same exact thing. You have to put your pride to the side. You have, once again, you have to put your pride to the side in order for you to fix certain situations. And honestly, if you're not going to do that, if you're not going to do that, then somebody else needs to. Because the name of the game is to win. Putting yourself in the best position to succeed. You see teams like the 49ers. They're pretty much stacked. But how many times do we see during the week? They're going out here getting players. And it just seems like it's overkill. And why is it overkill? Because they understand that one of these key players are, uh, you know, a twist ankle away, a broken collarbone away, a separated shoulder away. And the next thing you know, all that production is gone. You have to constantly think about how are you going to fix this team? How are you going to get better? What, do, what can we do? We can't just look at the depth chart and say, you know what? We are right. You always got to be finding ways to get better. Like I said, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see the New Orleans Saints pass up on a future quarterback sitting around here trying to double down on a guy who is not who is not a winner, who is not a winner, who is a guy to me. Who I, I, honestly, I, I had some some level of respect for Derek Carr, but as of right now, I don't have any respect for him. Anybody that will stand in front of a podium and and sit up there and say some of the you know and act the way that he did, to me, that is not helping anybody. That is not true leadership qualities. I've seen, I've seen Drew Brees uh, talk to guys who have run the wrong routes. I ain't never seen them react like that. I've never seen it because that's what leaders do. Leaders do not make the situation worse. They're not going to pull you off on the sidelines. They're not going to blast you on, net, on network television with a bunch of cameras watching. And to me, like I said, man, I just feel like when it comes to Derek Carr, He's extremely thin-skinned. You can tell, like, in the in the body language, you can tell in the way that he talks. He has this false sense of who he actually is. He he, he talks as if he's elite. 
he he carries himself like he's elite, but he's not. And to me, it, it's one of those situations where it's, it, you can't just sit up here and be calling out your teammates. You know, my, my grandfather is, is a minister, right? My grandfather is a minister. And one thing that I have an appreciation for is my grandfather's stories and his, his analogies uh, and, and how he, he tells them. And he, told, he tells this story quite often. He talks about this, this lady who was in her kitchen and she was uh, talking to a friend and they were looking across the street and this, this other woman was hanging her clothes outside. Now, like some of y'all probably losing, but once upon a time, people couldn't afford washers and dryers back in the days. Some, sometimes you might have a washer and no dryer, a dryer and no washer, but anyway, and you would hang your clothes on a clothesline. So the lady was looking out the window, seeing a lady uh, with her, putting her sheets on a clothesline. And she was just looking at him and she was like, oh, it's just so embarrassing. She should be embarrassing. Those blankets don't even look clean. They don't look clean. And all of a sudden, like, she walks her friend outside and they look across the street and the blankets are white as snow. And they both looked at each other and said, well, it looks like her blankets are clean. It looks like your windows are the ones that's dirty. What I'm saying is, how can you go out here and blast somebody and try to talk about somebody when, y- I mean, your shirt tail slipping, right? I mean, we all seen the All-22. We all went back and watched the game. We seen, like, how can you sit up here and overthrow guys, miss wide open uh, uh, wide receivers, keep on checking down running backs, not even looking at your second and your third option. But yet, if Chris Alabe one time one, runs the wrong route, or, you know, not doing what you want them to do, all of a sudden you blast them. Going at P. Carmichael. Like, people are not naive. And I and I, I want to give credit. I don't normally do this because sometimes I don't feel like they know what the heck they're talking about. But I got to give Mike Florio some, some credit on this. He said, and I, I'm encouraging everybody to check it out on Pro Football Talk. He said, it seems to me like Derek Carr goes out here and he basically – becomes all animated when somebody else does something wrong to make it amplified to get the target off him and onto somebody else. That's not true leadership. That's not, that is not true leadership. And most people are talking about, Oh, Michael Thomas putting it on himself, not blaming the coaches. Oh, Alvin Kamara putting it on himself, not blaming the coaches. See, see, it it ain't really a, a player issue. No, if you are a great player, You're not looking at anybody else. You're not looking at somebody else and what they're not doing. And you can know that deep down inside. You can know it deep down inside that you're not the problem. But you're not going to throw your teammates under the bus, especially in an open forum. To me, Derek Carr is like one of those people if, you know, you got a chance to say if y'all falling off a cliff, right? And let's just say, for example, both of your body weight is – you know, both of your body weight is making the cliff kind of cave in. He seems like to me like he's a guy that will probably push you off. Like, seriously. Like, because it, that type of behavior in, in crucial and clutch situations like that tells me everything you need to know. And don't tell me that it didn't have anything to do with the fact that the crowd was booing the New Orleans Saints offense. And he, a part of him feel like, and he know deep down inside, they were booing him. Because he brought that up also in the press conference when he was saying, like, it feels like everybody hates you. Like, to me, I just feel like that's thin skin type stuff. Who cares? Right? A- a- everybody saw 
that as soon as the Saints start to get back in a game and the offense start to move the ball, the fans got back into the game. The, the team, the team started moving the football, the fans got back into the game. The, the fans want something to cheer for. Why are you sitting up here caring about what somebody else says? If you believe in yourself, you should go out there and perform. Who cares who hates you? Who? I mean, honestly, people tell me all the time, man, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't care. But guess what? I have this podcast. I love doing this podcast. And there's nothing anybody can say. Oh, you're a casual fan. Seriously, why, am I, why would I sit up here caring about what somebody that probably only knows me through Twitter and not me personally? Why would I care? Like, who, like, why are you sitting up here worried about what other people say about you? Go out there and perform. Do what you have to do. Haters are going to hate. People are going to criticize you regardless. But I just feel like that's thin-skinned behavior by Derek Carr. It's just that simple. You, you got to remove all that. And I honestly, it, like, to me, I don't know. Look, he is who he is. And I, I watching that game... And seeing him as animated and going off on the sidelines and making it seem like he was out there like threading the needle and putting on Drew Brees type performance in reality, everybody's seen all 22. This has been this has been ongoing talk for for the last couple of days. Everybody's seen this dude overthrowing guys. Everybody's seen Chris Olave being open on three and four cages. Everybody's seen Michael Thomas open. Everybody's seen that. And yeah. Chris, I mean, Alvin Kamara ran the wrong route, and yeah, uh, Chris Olave quit on a few plays. He should, you know, what I'm saying he should have ran a little bit faster. But when it comes down to it, you ain't do everything you can to help that team win as well. So how can you sit up here and try to throw anybody under the bus? In reality, you look just as worse. So that's that's just the way I feel. But I go ahead and uh, read some of your comments, and then uh, we'll go ahead and take it from there. Bruce Saint says, an elite player thinks I do my job, that's it. If there's something wrong, it's me. Exactly. It's about taking accountability for, for what you do. You know, that's that's what it's all about. Like if you're out here talk, like if you're if you're out here throwing people under the bus and not looking at yourself as if you you perfect and white as snow, you know, like, man, come on, give me a freaking break. That's when everybody really just going to start going at you. And they're really going to start analyzing you with a fine tooth comb. Because I know I am. Now that I'm seeing you talk, you know, telling Chris Alave to run, run, come on. What are you doing? You know, I'm really going to critique you. I'm going to critique everything you, you do now. Because I need to see precision. I need to see almost, you know, I need to see 70% pa- passing every week. I need to see a really good touchdown interception ratio. That's what I need to see. Because if you can sit up here and throw your teammates under the bus and tell them what they need to be doing, that must mean you perfect, right? So we'll see. Why are you here? Are you Carr's cousin or agent? Um, I don't know what we're talking about there. I don't know exactly. Let me see. Uh, Derek Carr been doing this. Uh, he got three head coaches fired doing the same exact thing. Look, all I know is I, I knew about Derek Carr and snippets I've, I've watched like i hate to say it but the majority of the time when i watched Derek carr he played relatively well like and also if you combine like the stats 
if you like a, a, a person that didn't really watch him that much, but probably watched him on occasions and a lot of the things that were said about him were mostly positive, you would get excited. And I said this, man, look, I'm not one of those people that just sit up there and throw the brick, hide my hand. No, I said it. Like, I was lobbying for this dude to come to New Orleans. I was. Like, seriously, I'm not going to sit up here and pretend I wasn't. But based on what I have saw, what I saw and what I'm seeing, and I, I feel very strongly the Saints made a mistake. I really do. I really feel like they made a mistake. And I, I think that those, those players in that locker room will want to eventually lose respect for him if he continues to act the way that he does. And I really feel wholeheartedly in that press conference when Elvin Kamara spoke to the media, I really felt he was talking about Derek Carr when he said, when first off, he, he compared himself. He looked at himself and said, I'm not really a rah-rah guy. I'm more of a guy like if I say something, I want it to mean something, you know, so that's why I, I kind of pick my spots. He said, but when you telling people, come on, let's do this, let's do this over and over again, it falls on deaf ears. Who was the most animated on the sidelines? Who was who like who else could he be talking about here? You know, that who, who else, who else could he be talking about? That's what I'm saying. Like, you up here telling people, man, you need to do this, man. People like, man, get out of my face. Especially like when I'm wide open on a on a, a, a deep post and you can't even hit me. You you're basically as soon as you get as soon as you snap the ball, you looking for the check down. Like how many, like how many times have we seen like Drew Brees? Like we we always have been in awe with Drew Brees, uh, you know, uh workout regiment and like how he prepared for a game. How many times have we seen like Drew Brees, like, you know, pretend like he got a football in his hand and then, you know, move his shoulder from the left, the right, and then the left again. When he, throw, when he threw the football, he's looking at his second and his third reads. This dude, as soon as he snapped the ball, he ready to throw it to Kamara. And honestly, like, man, I'm, I'm wondering what the injury report is uh, when it comes to, like, you know, I don't know if they're talking about he had a groin injury or something like that, but there was, like, one play where nobody even touched him and all of a sudden he goes down to the ground and stuff and the, the medical staff had to, like, I feel like, you know, stuff like that to me, it just feels like, you just trying to get sympathy from the crowd. Like, oh, you know, look, man, look, I'm so hurt, but I'm out here. I'm, I'm putting forth a warrior effort. I got the separated shoulder. I got the groin injury. Like, I'm just trying to do this because I'm such a tough guy. Like, man, give me a freaking break. Like, seriously, man. Like, I'm. it's, it's looking very political right now, if you ask me. It's looking very political. And I, I said this before. I, I mean, I, I felt like there was some – there were some red flags to me when I felt like he was talking way too much about the Raiders getting rid of him. Even like, you know, he was much removed from this. And he still was up here talking about what he did with the Raiders and how the Raiders didn't want him. Like not understanding that this is a business. You know, I felt like that was a little bit of a red flag with that. And then, you know, I used the example of him reminding me of this, this fictional character on this show called The Boys called Homelander. Homeland is a superhero with superhuman strength and one of the powerful, most powerful superheroes ever. And the only thing he really wants is the adulation of the crowd. He wants to be loved and admired. He wants people to praise him. Man, and he he kind of strikes me as that Homelander type. But, you know, I digress. Winston is head and shoulders better than that. I don't want to say he head and shoulders better than, um, than that, but I can tell you this. 
Um, I'm pretty sure he could have hit a wide open Chris Olave. I can tell you that right now. Um, let's see. You have to uh, have a thick skin in the NFL. Yeah, pretty much. You got to, man, because you're never as good as they say you are. You're never as bad as they say you are. But you also have to have some level of reality about your play. And I just feel like a lot of the things that about Derek Carr, I just think he has a false sense of reality about himself. Like, seriously. Like, sometimes you got to look at yourself and just realize that there's something wrong. But what he did on the sidelines is like, basically, like, you, you, I should be absolved of anything that happened in this game. Uh, booing his ass in the Superdome uh, is going to get worse. Yeah, I mean, if you, if it, if he continues to play like that and the offense continue to play like that, yeah, but don't apologize to me, then go back and do the same stuff again and try to apologize again. Yeah, I mean, that you know, that that's definitely a recipe for disaster. You know, and some people do that. You know, baby, I'm sorry. I know I came in late. You know, I, I won't come back late no more. And then the next day you come in, come in late again. You know, like, man, what the heck going on here? You know what I'm saying? Maybe we need to reevaluate this thing. All, all I'm saying is, man, I don't see an end in sight. Like, Derek Carr is who he is. And now, honestly, he put an even bigger target on his back because now people are really going to be critiquing this dude because of how he blew up on the sidelines. And, and a lot of people feel like he threw his, his teammates under the bus. A lot of people going to be critiquing him a different way. So if he don't play nearly perfect going forward, man, people might be lobbying for this dude to get up out of town. Like, seriously. Like, you you can't. You cannot do that. Like, seriously. Especially, like, you don't even go here, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're like the new kid, right? You can't be around here, you know what I'm saying, like, throwing your weight around and people don't even really know you. Like, you look at Michael Thomas and, I mean, homegrown. Chris Olave, homegrown. Alvin Kamara, homegrown. We have grown to love and respect these players for what they have done on the field. Like, dude, like, there's a conversation between do you suck or are you really good? Are you elite or are you good? Are you top tier or are you bottom shelf? Like, you don't go here, dude. You know, like, you're you're new here. So, no, like, nobody is looking at you and like, man, you know what? Like, man, this is our leader right here. Like, nobody, like, you have to earn that right. You have to earn that. Like when, when we think about Drew Brees coming over from the San Diego Chargers to the Saints, he earned our respect by going out there playing, showing a warrior mentality, helping players that are, you know, middle of the pack become extraordinary, running backs, turning them into credible players, and not throwing his teammates under the bus no matter what the situation is. Like you're you're new, so people are still trying to figure out should they embrace you or not. And by doing stuff like that, I'm telling you, man, it, I don't think I don't think a lot of Saints fans are embracing Derek Carr and have no intentions to do so unless he right like, really goes out here and channels his inner Joe Montana, Tom Brady, or or Drew Brees, which I don't see that happening. TJ, he reminds me of Aaron Brooks without smiling. Um. I don't even want to say he reminds me of, of Aaron Brooks because here's the thing. Aaron Brooks to me kind of was an overachiever. Like nobody really expected Aaron Brooks to do anything. Aaron Brooks was the backup to Jeff Blake. Um, you know, Jeff Blake was the was supposed to be the starting quarterback. Jeff Blake gets hurt. 
gets uh get hurt. He was out for the season. In comes Aaron Brooks. Aaron Brooks goes out there, plays well, leads the Saints to the playoffs, win a playoff game. You know, he overachieved, right? But when it comes to Derek Carr, Derek Carr was a second-round pick. He was the guy that was supposed to be the franchise quarterback. He was the guy that even when, when the NFL draft took place, people were like, why don't know anybody want to get Derek Carr? He should have been a first-round pick. So he already came in with high expectations. But to me, you know, I I don't see I don't see I, I have like anybody that knows me knows that I got my you know my thoughts about Aaron Brooks, but look, even with Aaron Brooks, like even Aaron Brooks, like I don't like until the end, like after Katrina, that's when you like, you know, things start happening with Aaron Brooks, but I had respect for him because he kind of embraced it. And then Aaron Brooks gave you something that you never had. A playoff win. You know, so, I mean, in that regard, like, at least you can hold that. But what is Derek Carr giving you? Besides the fact that he's Derek Carr and he's supposed to be good, you know, and <laughs> that's not good enough for me. This is Carr. Uh, he isn't getting any better. Yeah, I mean, look, he's up there in age. He's in his 10th season. He's still giving you the same things that, that he gave you when he was with the Vegas in Oakland. So what more can you do? Winston lost the Green Bay uh, game single-handedly and couldn't score any touchdowns in the Charger game. What are we t- wait? What what happened? Winston lost the Green Bay game single-handedly and couldn't score any touchdowns in the Chargers game. Damn, I, what, what Green Bay game? We talk. We talking about the Green Bay game a couple weeks ago. All right. Okay. Now we low. Okay. Yeah, I mean. I want people to understand something. When you are a backup quarterback, you don't really get too many reps going into the going into this uh the week. This man comes in cold. You expect for this dude to go out there. Like, think about this. How like this now to me, this is hypocrisy. Now we're all in agreement that this offense can't move the football due to the fact of P. Carmichael's play calling and his inability to be able to you know, scheme up plays in order for the wide receivers, the running back, and key players to make plays, right? We accept that, right? So how is it that we can accept that one minute, but when someone as Jameis Winston comes in, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the reason why they lost. Like, come on, man. When are we going to start calling a spade a spade and just say, we don't like the dude? Like, let's just go, go call a spade a spade. Let's just say we don't like to do because the energy is not the same. It's like when we talk about Derek Carr, you got Derek Carr apologists out there that's willing to jump to the aid. Oh, you know, the offense is not good. Oh, the offensive line is not giving them a chance. Last year, when people were saying the same thing about Winston, oh, oh that's the excuse. That's the excuse. That's the excuse. That's the excuse. What is it then? You know, it's like, come on, man. We can't. We got to keep the same energy when we're talking about the these players, man. We can't just sit up here and try to cape for people that we like and then throw the other player under the bus. We also got to acknowledge, once again, the talk has been the offensive play calling. So how can we sit up here and just criticize the offensive play calling, but then all of a sudden Jameis comes in the game and he's supposed to overcome play calling. He's supposed to overcome all these other situations, but – the quarterback that you think is better than him can't even do that either. So what are we doing? What are we doing? 
Come on, man. Like, just call the spade a spade and say you're not a big fan of the guy. It's okay. It's all right. Like, we we acting like the Saints organization. We just care about optics, not me. I'll never trust this team until I see change in management philosophies. This team is run like a mom and pop shop, not uh, by serious football people. Thank you very much for the $5. Uh, we that says, who that TJ seems like Carr is always underthrowing the wide receivers. It's like uh, they have a slow and stride to catch or contest on a pass play. Yeah, they had a, they had a pass a couple weeks ago, man. It looked like a punt. I want to say Rasheed Shaheed got behind the defense, but he had to slow down and catch the pass. I want to say it was against the Texans. It was a pass, I guess he had to like jump and try to go over the cornerback's head in order for him to catch the ball. So, yeah. Uh, Vito, thank you very much for the Fortnite. Now it says, if Carr was the captain on the Titanic, he would have snuck on a lifeboat and let the ship sink. Th- that's giving me that type of vibes, man. If, if you're going to blast your, if you are going to blast your teammates on network television in front of a, a, a world audience, trust and believe like that you, it won't stop there. Who that nation said, facts, TJ, get them out of here. Uh, thank y'all for donating. I really do appreciate that. Uh, scrolling down a little bit more, and I apologize if I skip some of your comments here, but just want to kind of keep a good flow going. Says, hey, TJ, Derek Carr has a real emotional problem. Carr is not an elite or good uh, quarterback. Uh, he's not even a decent game manager on the field at the point. Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Carr at this point. Well, look. The Raiders are winning football games right now. Then the Raiders win yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo don't look terrible. Look, here's the thing. I think he does have a little bit of emotional problem, but I also just think that that comes from him trying to please everybody, right? Him trying to, like, wear the mask of elite quarterback, you know, like, but nobody's buying what you're trying to sell. Like, it's like somebody trying to convince you that they're a millionaire right and they got a whole bunch of money and all of a sudden you know what i'm saying like you know you go inside everything's off like the light bill ain't paid phone you know etc you know what i'm saying like look man you can't fake the funk you know like we, we it's pretty obvious here that you're struggling financially like he tries to, like i said he tries to carry himself like he's an elite quarterback he says all the right things he he, he talks as if you know he, he's very confident in himself but I just think deep down inside, he knows that he's not very that that good. Maybe like you know, you gotta have some level of confidence. But he knows, man. And I really feel like sometimes, like he he goes out and he does these things. Back to Mike, what Mike Florio said. Uh, he does these things and he becomes animated and he becomes all emotional and stuff like that to try to drive the nail home that the things that are happening are not his fault. But when you look at it, like you you share the blame too. And the fact that you try to absolve yourself from these situations just makes you look like an even bigger jerk than than ever. You know, like, and it just makes you look like you disingenuous. It makes you look fake and phony. It's, it's like one of those people like that smile in your face but talks behind your back. You know, like that that gives me that type of vibes. If you're gonna blast your teammates on network television, brother, it ain't no ain't no telling what you'll do behind the scenes like for real for real y'all i think when they said they don't know what others are doing to prepare for games i think they're talking about car not knowing the plays um i don't know about that i, I don't think so I, I think when it when it came to that uh i think they 
You know, they feel like he put his best foot forward. But also, I think for the most part, they want this guy to take accountability. Like, you can't just sit up there and just talk about what these other players are doing and not hold yourself accountable. Like, you can talk about that one play, but what about the – man, you threw the ball 55 times. This dude threw the ball 55 times in that game. You know, so, I mean, you're telling me in 55 throws you you made perfect passes in all 55 of them? He always seemed to get injured when a game is out of reach in the four quarters. Uh, I'm shaking my head. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Uh, the boot uh, has said a positive – uh, has said a positive thing about the Saints in two years. D.C. is not a great coach, but definitely not the major problem like the offensive line play calling defense suck in the last three games. He's saying that he said that he, uh, he said positive things about it. Look, I, I really feel like this, like nothing has really given me the indication that the Saints would fire Dennis Allen after this season, even though I don't like, honestly, why not? Like, if the Saints don't make the playoffs, if the Saints stay in this same position, why would you keep this dude? The Saints have, going into this season, the Saints have played or will play one of the easiest schedules in the National Football League. The New Orleans Saints have played some of the most unproven quarterbacks in the last, what, seven weeks. Like, Trevor Lawrence is probably the best quarterback they've played in, in the last seven games, you played against Baker Mayfield, a young Bryce Young, a young C.J. Stroud, a, a, a starting for the first time, a Jordan Love. Like, you're about to play Gardner Minshew next week. None of these guys are, like, setting the world on fire. Well, C.J. Stroud is. I give him some credit. He's looking really good. But other than that, like, even, even C.J. Stroud, that was, like, C.J. Stroud tore you up in the first half, but he ain't really do nothing in the second half. And yet you still couldn't win. So I'm just saying, like, you can't win when you got a bunch of injuries to your team. You can't win when you don't have injuries to your team, to your skilled players. You can't win when the schedule is a little complex. You can't win when the schedule is, is simplistic. You can't hold a lead. Your defense can't be consistent every single week to a point where they can carry the team. Your offense is led by a guy that you had opportunity to replace, but you kept, and they can't move the football. You select a quarterback who you thought would, would seal the deal and, and be able to help with this whole Drew Brees succession plan, and he looks bad. What more do you need to see? Like, seriously, what more do you need to see? This team has lost in, in any way that you can think of. This team has lost in that particular way. When are we going to sit up here and just say, oh, you know, like this dude is, is not that good at leading men. It's just not it. Like, I don't care. Like, we can talk about we can talk about this till we blue in the face. How many times are we going to sit up here and just and just sit up here and try to make this dude work? It's just not happening. Man, the Saints have lost in every way imaginable. And like the Saints are three and four with the easiest schedule in 2023. There's no way in the world the New Orleans Saints with Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, AK, Jamal Williams, Kendra Miller. Like, there's no way in the world this team should be three and four. No way. 
Like, what more do you need to see? This is like Dennis Allen, I'm pretty sure, is a really good person. Er, like everything that I hear outside, like outside the game of football, seems like he's a really good person. My thoughts and feelings about him as a head coach, he is not very good. And he won't be. And he never will be. It's just that simple. Because to me, it's going to come down to can you outwit the person on the other side? And we have seen every coach that has come to the the Superdome or the Saints have come to them. If that coach has a little bit of cachet, he gets out coached. And it ain't even close. It ain't even close. Play against Mike Tomlin, got school. Played against John Harbaugh, got school. Played against Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson, like, honestly, I don't care what anybody said. Doug Peterson was really trying to let the Saints organization know that y'all made a mistake. And he made this man look foolish out there. Like, y'all had a chance to get me, but guess what? Look what I'm doing with my new team. I mean, seriously, man, like, what more do you need to see? I don't care what type of defense. Like, honestly, I'm not trying to keep no, I'm not trying to keep no, no head coach around just because your defense look good. They have really good defensive coordinators around every corner that will have your defense looking legit. There's a, there for every Dennis Allen, there's a, a Vic Fangio type. There's there's a, a young up-and-coming defensive coordinator with a with a Rex or I mean with a yeah, Rex Ryan type personality. You know what I'm saying? Like a Buddy Ryan type system, like they're, they're, they're good defensive coordinators that, that come out and become stars every single year. They're, offensively, it's the same way. So I'm not trying to sit up here and hold my team hostage just because, you know, you you can have a decent defense. I mean, what? so what? Like, unless the defense is going to be having pick sixes every game, your offense can't move the ball. I mean, they can move the ball to the red zone, and then when they move it to the red zone, in come Blake Groupie, and you're crossing your fingers hoping that he can kick a field goal and, and give you some points. So uh, to me, I'm not trying to sacrifice because this guy can coach some defense. Like, find, you can find somebody else that can coach some defense. We have a, lack, a lackluster front office. This buddy's, uh, This buddy-buddy system is dragging this franchise down to the slums. Yeah, like I said, holding on to the past, holding on to what Sean Payton did, what Drew Brees did, trying to find players that resemble, uh, you know, Drew Brees as a quarterback, trying to find uh, coaches that was around uh, Sean Payton, that, that stood next to Sean Payton, that, that held uh, Sean Payton juicy fruit. It's, it's, it's pretty sad, man. Uh, New Orleans don't want a black quarterback. I don't know if they don't want a black quarterback or not. I, I don't believe that because they were C Bain, they was willing to alienate the entire fan base for Deshaun Watch. Like seriously. Like so to me, I feel like that's uh that theory, I, I don't feel like that's accurate. But I will say this. Um, I don't feel like the the issue with Jameis Winston is because he's black. I feel like it's just the fact that they, they're just not fans of them. They're, they're just not fans of them. And honestly, I just feel like, you know, and it's fair. I feel like Dennis Allen 
felt that Jameis Winston was not his guy. He did not select him. It was Sean Payton's guy. And he understands where he is as a head coach, not a very successful one. So he feels like if I'm going to go down, I want to go down my way. And as you can see, he's doing it his way, and he's still going down. So to me, I, I'm not even worried about this. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm telling people I am not worried. I am not worried about the New Orleans Saints in 2023. I want Dennis Allen to do everything his little mediocre tail uh, can desire. I want him to get the coaches he wanted. I want him to get the players that he wanted. So there would be absolutely no excuse. And the entire world can see what all of us have known already is that he's not very good at being a head coach. Because you don't have any excuse. What 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 is the excuse? Like, seriously, what is the excuse? Where, where is it? You can't even, like, I know you, you might want to use P. Carmichael as a scapegoat, but that was your decision to keep him. So how is it that, like, aren't you calling the shots? Unless, you know, Mickey Loomis is calling the shots and you just, a fi- you know, a figurehead. And if that's the case, then they all need to get up out of here. Saints bad contract and older roster in NFL doesn't help this team for future. Saints did get some draft capital back, but needs more to help rebuild this team with youth and cheap. Yeah, I mean, you definitely got to be hitting in the draft. Like, seriously, you got to be hitting in the draft for the next couple of years because that is how you're going to get yourself out of this cap situation because you're not going to be able to go out there and, and get some highly touted free agent based on the contracts that you have. But if you go out there and get, you know, get a draft that's, I'll say, 65%, maybe 70% of what you did in 2017, you can be successful. And, and you see that with a lot of these teams out here that have sustainable success, like the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you know, like they, they built their team. Uh, the 49ers, uh, they built their team. You see teams out there building, uh, you know, and, and drafting guys, and then they'll probably incorporate maybe one, two highly touted uh, free agents because they spent the majority of their time building their team through the draft. So now you can go out here and you can afford one of these highly touted free agents to go along alongside your young uh, quarterback or your young running back or, or, or your young wide receiver group. You'll be able to get guys like that. But when you are sacrificing and you're trying to go for broke every single year and, and you don't have, uh, you know, a, a really legit look in a mirror and realize that, man, we may need to do something a little bit different before we get in over our heads. You know, you, you got to start making some better decisions. Now, you can't just sit up here, okay, we going for broke, we going for broke, we got a chance to win the Super Bowl. But now it's like, man, like the Saints aren't like, come on, man. We watched two of the best teams in the NFL last night play in the Philadelphia Eagles and the Miami Dolphins. Even though the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, then it wasn't very competitive. But both of those teams, you can just tell by looking at it, by the offensive innovation of Mike McDaniel, uh, Tyreek Hill being a freak of nature at the wide receiver position, the Philadelphia Eagles defensive front. I mean, Raheem Mostert couldn't do anything. You know, Amai couldn't do anything. Right. Like, like, look at the offensive line. Like every time the, they, they need one yard for the Philadelphia Eagles it's pretty much a no brainer. All of those guys, for the most part, were developed by that organization. Can somebody tell me looking at both of those teams, tell me that the Saints look anywhere remotely close to any one of those teams. And that's the best the NFL has to offer right there.
Like, even I can't stand the Cowboys. But let's just be honest. There's anybody looking at the Dallas Cowboys and be like, man, you know, it's an Saints anywhere near close to these guys. Like, there, there's a lot of work to do. Like, sometimes, like I said, you have to really be real with yourself and, and understand where you are. In order for you to get where you are, you got to know where you're coming from. Like, you can't just sit up here and just be like, okay, man, I'm a winner. Ain't never won nothing. Right? So, man, you got to have a you got to have a sense of a, a realness, a sense of reality. And I just feel like the Saints have a, a false sense of reality. Like when it comes to themselves. You know, and it's, and you have to have a level of confidence. I'm not saying walk around here like, man, I stink. I stink. I suck. No. But also you have to understand that. Like I one thing that I I hate is like going back listening to myself speak or listening to you know my old shows i've had like a hard time doing it well i take that back i used to but how do you get better like how do you know how to ask questions to you know the guest on the show like how do you know how to give people a better listening and viewing experience you do that by learning and from your mistakes your errors and become better but when you sit up here and just think you got it all figured out guess what I guarantee you, you don't. I want to see Jake Hayner play so bad. I don't look. I'm. I'm not. I'm. I don't. Now, <laughs> not. Not the fact that I don't like Jake Hayner. I just. It's just this coaching staff, man. It's just this coaching staff, and I just feel like anybody that comes in is just going to have their confidence shot. I, I just think they're going to have their confidence shot because the. There is nothing about this this coaching staff to me that is instilling any level of confidence in some of these players. Like you look at Trevor Penning, like now it just seems like he's in his own head. Like I'm just not good enough. Even Chris Olave, it seems like he's in his own head. Like Chris Olave wasn't like this last year. He wasn't. But now it's like he's in his own head because he feels like no matter what I do, it just ain't good enough. I ain't going to get the ball. And I don't want to see that. Like, I'd rather Jake Hayner sit on a bench until the Saints figure this thing out and they get another coach, and maybe that coach will be able to see something special in him or bring it out of him. But I ain't trying to see that. Because as of right now, I just feel like Jake Hayner would be thrust into the game and just go out there, you know, slap him on the behind and say, have at it, kid. This sorry staff sees everyone's imperfections uh, except Derek Carr for the head coach to be taking sides tell us all we need to know yeah i mean look that was his guy that was the one that he selected that was the one that he wanted to come to new orleans and you know like i say you know you're not going to throw that guy under the bus he ain't gonna throw him under the bus because it's like even throwing himself under the bus plain and simple dennis allen is in over his head he has no clue what he's doing uh you can't even beat the likes of houston jags green bay you ain't beating the lions eagles or the dolphins not it, not at all. Not at all. Then honestly, it's up in the air. You're gonna beat the coach. I'm not saying that the Saints are gonna lose every game. They're not. They're they're gonna win some games, but you know, it's it, it's not a level of confidence that I have in the New Orleans Saints going to Lucas Oil Stadium and taking on the coach. Like it used to be like you expected the Saints to win. Like you expected for the Saints to to win the game. Like if they lost, you was mad, your Sunday, your whole Sunday was messed up because you were looking forward to seeing the Saints win a football game. I don't feel that way these days, folks. It's not the fact that I, I, you know, not a Saints fan, 
But I just have, I mean, I'm just like everybody else. Like you, you, you see this so many different times. You have to be a fool to keep on, you know, psyching yourself out like this. So I just kind of just watch the games. I, I want to say uh, Mr. Mina said this. I, I want to say a couple of uh, weeks ago, like when the season first started, it's like she just watched the games. Like, you know, don't have any emotional interest in, you know, like you, you, you know, like, you can't be so emotional to a point where it just mess up your week. Because honestly, based on how they plan, your week could be messed up every single week. So I just say, man, just watch the games, cheer for the moments that need to be cheered for, you know, uh, be frustrated. But at the end of the day, you know, if they play at 12 Central, 1 Eastern, they lose. Look forward to the next football game. Yeah, I, I, Look, I have, an, I have an enjoyment of actually watching teams. Like, I like football in general. Like, I love the Saints, of course, but I love watching football. And one thing that I love, it's just watching teams that just perfectly execute plays defensively and offensively. And just watching like some of these teams out here, you know, just execute and just do such a great job. The offensive line blocking, the quarterback making really good decisions, the wide receivers out there making plays. It just makes you feel good and just makes you realize that that's what football is all about. And what the Saints have been giving you from time to time is just, just complete frustration, and that, that that ain't what football is about. Uh, not even close. 49ers, Cowboys, Philly, Bills, Miami, none of those teams at all. Hell nah, we trash. Yeah, I don't, I don't look. All I know is they, they got a long way to go. They got a long way to go. And you know the crazy, you know the crazy thing about this is if they buckle down and like like if, if we talking about tail of the tape, right? If we talking about tail of the tape. My players against your players. The Saints stack up against those teams. Like, that's the crazy thing about it. Like, if they had some competence in, as, a, as an organization, they can beat these teams that I'm talking about. If it, Like, they have the, the talent and, and the skills and ability to do that. But when you don't have the coaches to get it out of them and see certain things and come up with certain strategies consistently, you're not going to see it. But under this coaching staff, yeah. I agree. Uh, the guest on the show. Uh, what guest we talking about here? Uh, any young players uh, coming into the, this coaching staff as it is would be doomed. Honestly, like if you remove like some of these these old farts that that's too complacent, nah, I think they can do a pretty good job. Hope y'all know uh, we not beating the coach. They put up thirty eight on the Browns and uh, they favored by one. Oh yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, the Cleveland Browns were the number one defense in football. They were the number one defense in football uh, going into that game versus the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, the Saints have a really good defense, so I mean, don't don't expect I you know I don't expect for the Saints to just completely shut them dudes out. Now, if they do, I'll be shot. As a former offensive lineman, it's hard to watch the offensive line get pushed into the to the laps of the quarterback or running back. That's not coaching that talent. Uh, that's talent. Yeah. But my thing about it is, my, my, here's my thing. Here's my thing. Uh, I'm going to go back to this, and I'll, I'll get to Genesis and Joshua. Half of these guys that were on the offensive line, when Drew Brees was the quarterback, they didn't look like this. They were, like, flirting with all pros and pro bowls. I'm just like, what happened, man? Like, 
That that's why I will continue to say Drew Brees is is much better than even we gave him credit for. If he removes himself from the situation and they just turn to that, I don't know, man. I'm here, y'all should beat us uh, with Jameis. I know y'all will beat us. Thank God uh, he won't see the field next week. Uh, who, what team are you? Are you a Colts fan? I, I assume you're talking about the Colts. But thank you for being here. I really do appreciate it. Look, man, I ain't got nothing against the Colts. I actually like Indianapolis. I, I went for the first time uh, for the NFL Combine. I mean, Indianapolis is a beautiful place. The people were nice there. Um so, I mean, honestly, like, the fans were, like, really, really cool. Like, because when I went to the stadium um, to actually watch uh, the combine, you had a lot of Colts fans out there, and they were extremely kind, you know, extremely kind and friendly. So, I, I mean, I like the Colts. I ain't got nothing against them. Uh, is it Sunday yet, TJ? Uh, you get me hyped. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. Look, I – Look, I'm just here because, number one, I love the Saints. And number two, I love what I do as far as doing podcasting. I love interacting with folk. And I love interacting with you. And I I love the, the interaction of this show. So, I mean, win, lose, or draw, we're going to be here, man. Because, you know, we ain't tapping out. You know, it's not over. You know, like, things things are not always going to be easy. You're going to have some ups and downs. You 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 cheer for a team long enough, you're going to find out there's going to be some some hardships and growing pains. But you got to continue to press on and continue to support them. But continue and support them don't mean that you have to be delusional, which I feel like some people may want me to be. And that's not what I'm that's not what I'm going to be. I am not going to be a delusional Saints fan. I'm just not like and honestly, those that don't know me, I don't care about their opinions or their views because people see me put a clip up on on Twitter probably never seen this podcast before and they'll say oh he has like the worst takes ever like you'll never look at anything that i'm doing you know uh as far as like i said man we we can't be delusional about this thing like we can be saints fans but some people i just feel like it's just absolutely insane to feel like not saying anything about the team and just saying we gonna get them next week that makes you a true saints fan like you're out your freaking mind like that that may work for you but it ain't working for me uh, let's see. At the pace they're on, they're only due to win three or four more games. Mm, if they win three or four more games, I guess what? If they win th- three more games, that'll give them at six. If they win four, that'd be seven. So about seven and ten. Seems like they're going to be flirting with that anyway. Uh, T Dirty uh, says Derek Carr don't need to throw nobody under the bus. He just needs to lay down and simply wait on the bus, <laughs> says T30, who had me crying laughing earlier, man. You're going to bring out Blake Groupie with his little ruffle steel skin. <laughs> that man called Blake Groupie ruffle steel skin, man. Oh, my goodness, man. Hey, I, hey, please, T30, it, look, please post that video on Twitter. I don't know who, I don't know if it was you that sent it to me. Matter of fact, let me see if I can find this real quick. Let me see if I can find it. I don't think I can, but, man, my goodness, hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Check out T. Dirty's rant about the game. Man, that man had me dying laughing. My goodness. I was not expecting that. That man, when that man called Blake Groupie Rumpelstiltskin, my God, that, that broke me, bro. Hilarious. Hilarious. But let, let me acknowledge, like, some of the 
<laughs> donations. Who that nation? Thank you very much for the five dollars. Says that Dennis Allen let Carr do that on the sidelines. He's so soft as toilet paper. <laughs> Hoodie Jew, thank you very much for the 10. He says NFL or wide open, crazy. Six wins, two teams, five wins, five teams, four wins, six teams, three wins, nine teams, two wins, eight teams, one win, one team, zero wins, one team. A lot of teams struggling still, 10 games left. Anything can happen. Yeah, I agree. You know, like – um. I think this is probably the shortest time where a team didn't go undefeated. No team is undefeated right now. Like normally you probably go into like eight or nine weeks where you have a team that's undefeated, but it just shows you like the, you know, it's equal playing field, but also hoodie, you got to be playing some good football. And in regards to like, if these teams are losing, like the the good teams consistently are, are putting forward efforts. Like they'll have a slip up. Like yesterday, the bills lost to the Patriots. Um, you know, like, you know, Eagles last week, they lost. I mean, like you're going to have like those teams that slip up, but more than not, you want to be consistent. And, and those teams have been consistent. So, you know, if there was a loss, more than likely next week, they're going to get it together and somebody about to get beat to sleep. But when it comes to the Saints, like you don't know what you're going to get. Like, like Forrest Gump said, life is like a box of chocolates. Well, life is like a Saints game. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if you're going to get a, a shutout you don't know if they about to put up 30 you don't know if is this about to be a one-point game you don't know what you're gonna get it's a completely mixed bag so i just think that great teams win consistently they find ways to win yeah they'll slip up but more than likely they'll figure it out and then you'll see like a, a you know two or three game winning streak like that's when you that's when you know that you have a really good uh football team uh, I seen that. It was definitely funny. Yeah, it, it was hilarious. That that was freaking hilarious. That man had me dying laughing. I was not expecting that. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> we know NFL is wide open, but by the way, uh, we are playing. Uh, we don't have a shot until we get uh, the cleanup man to make some adjustments. Uh, the guy speaks in post game with his head down, says a lot. Yeah, I mean, look, that, you don't get a level of confidence that he could actually fix the issues, and I think that's something that he needs to work on. Um, I, I don't think he purposely does that. I just think that body language is important. I know some people, like, get mad at me because, you know, I, I pay a lot of attention to, like, certain details like body language, speech, speech patterns, stuff like that. But that's just the communications in me. That's what I majored in in college. Like it, it teaches you about the art of communication, the art of persuasion, um, you know, the, the study of semiotics, what signs and symbols, what certain things actually mean uh, when you're actually doing public speaking to, to speak, you know, in an authoritative voice, you know, to speak with confidence. If you start looking left and right, not giving individuals eye contact, it kind of gives you this this the, the crowd like you're not very it shows them that you're not very sure of yourself. And, you know, I don't want the team, I don't want the coach to feel how I'm feeling. I don't. I, I don't want the coach to feel how I'm feeling. Where are all my managers at? at? Where are all my managers? Where are all my, my, my team leaders at? How many times have you all had to have a deadline? At the morale is low. Man, I don't know if we, how we going to do this. I, I can speak to this, right? Because before I got into radio, I was a store manager for about 12 years, right? So that was around this time of year. That's when like Christmas and all that other stuff start coming into the stores and you have to 
put this stuff out and it, it just comes in by the boatloads and people start to feel all the pressure like, man, we got to have this deadline, this seasonal section got to be put up. And imagine how it would be like, man, I don't know how we're going to do this either. You know what? I don't know how we're going to do this, man. We ain't got no time for this. This is ridiculous. That's going to get your whole team feeling like it can't be accomplished. As a leader, I'm supposed to look to you and say, you know what? We can get this thing done. But when I'm feeling bad about a game and I'm looking at all these other Saints fans walking out the Superdome with their head down in frustration and some fans even go as far as crying because of the disappointment they expected for the black and gold to get that dub. And yet we go to Dennis Allen. He looking like he walks out the dome with us. Makes me wonder like, man, oh, do we have the right guy in place when it comes to leadership? Like seriously, no coach, no leader, no motivator should feel the way the audience feels to feel the way the team feels because the team is looking to you for motivation. Now I'm talking to all my manager people out there. I'm talking to all my management people, all my leaders out there. Your team is looking at you to lead. You got to lead. I don't care if you got to go off in a corner somewhere and be like, and, and yell. I, I've been there. There's been times where I had to go to the, the restroom to kind of get a little woosah out because it was so, it, it was such pressure. But I can't let my team see me breaking. I can't see that. Like, who's looking at a Dennis Allen? Who's looking at a Dennis Allen press conference and saying, you know what? This guy got what it takes to fix this issue. Even if he does. Even if even if Dennis Allen goes out here, fix the issue, and the Saints win the rest of the games that they play. Nobody would see that coming. Like, because you're not going to see it in his body language. And I'm not expecting for him to go out here and, you know, be on some some Diddy Green stuff with the Bears, who we thought they were, and they let him off the hook. If you want to crown him, then crown him. I'm not looking for that. But at the same time, I, I'm, I'm looking for a little bit of some Mike Tomlin after a loss. I'm looking more for a John Harbaugh after a loss. Like, don't, don't feel how I'm feeling. At least don't show me that you're feeling how you're feeling. Like, let your wife and your kids see that. Don't, don't let the media see it. Don't let the fans see it. You can't do that. You can't do it, man. This man be up there looking like he lost his best friend. I supposed to look like I lost my best friend when the Saints lose. Not you. <laughs> Yo, come on, man. Come on, give me a break. Uh, hey, TJ, the Saints uh, with Derek Carr as the quarterback will continue to find ways to lose games. And the booze will keep coming in the dome for real. Well, if they don't win, that's that's exactly what's gonna happen. Uh, elite guy says Christmas. Yeah, pretty much, man. You know how it is, man, at them stores. Look, I know my retail people know what I'm talking about. You start getting that first wave of Christmas around September. You might get that first little uh box of you know, box with the Christmas tree in there, and then when you take it out, got glitter all on your hands. Uh TJ called Olave uh his head down too much. Yeah, I look. When I go back and look at the All-22, I can understand to a certain extent why Chris Olave was so frustrated. But I cannot accept or condone a guy quitting. I, I just don't. I know people getting mad and, and, and people can't understand what I'm trying to say. Because the reality is we live in a society today when somebody criticizes a person, 
That means that they don't like them. They don't respect them. They don't think they're good. I didn't got so many different interpretations on what I feel about Chris Olave to his absolutely ridiculous. I said that he's not a number one receiver yet. And I, I, I continue to say that because you cannot just crown a person a certain thing without them putting in the work. And that is what bothers me today. We just allow people just to slide in. What would like don't prove anything to us. No skins on the wall. Like don't no dog mentality. It hasn't shown us anything. Show us a catch or two. And all of a sudden we just fall for it. You can't do that, man. We got to stop letting people in so easily. We got to allow people to earn it. You know, like that's how we get our hearts broke. That's how we end up in disappointments relationships you know what I'm saying we jump in stuff so fast oh they love me oh she loves me and then the next thing you know it ain't all we cracked up to be oh, God, God, how can i not have saw this it's because you didn't ask the questions you didn't allow things to develop you didn't you didn't take the time out to figure the thing out i'm not saying chris alave is terrible i'm not saying that chris alave can't be a number one i'm saying right now he is not because you cannot exhibit those type of things that he is doing and call yourself a number one receiver. You cannot call yourself a leader when you're quitting. It's just that simple. You cannot call yourself a leader if you are quitting. It goes back to what I'm saying. People are looking at you for leadership. So I can't give him that crown yet. And I'm sorry if you can, but I'm not. You got to show it. Now, if Chris Olave goes out there and he just puts forth this effort for the next couple of weeks and he goes out there, goes over 100 yards, and I'm pretty sure people are going to let me hear about it. Oh, see, I told you he was a number one. Well, I will concede and say, you know what? He's showing that he's a number one, but I'm not giving it to him right now, and I don't care who feels any way about it. Once again, argue with your mama. If you feel like a guy who sits up there that, that quits on plays when things don't go their way, when the ball don't go their way, and they still not sitting up there trying to encourage their teammates, but instead going in and packing it in and phoning it in, that's the number one to you, then fine. But it's not to me. And it never will be. It, it never will be, man. It, it's just that simple. That, that, is not, that is not qualities of, of a top player. It's just not. And maybe some people feel that way because they quit everything in their life. But I digress. Uh, the reporter asked Tomlin one time, what's the keys to victory? And he responded, uh, the more violent team will win and walked away. That's a leader right there. Everybody is different. Look at the Dolphins coach. Yeah. I mean, Mike McDaniel is not one of those rah-rah guys. But at the same time, he has this level of confidence about himself. He's, he's extremely arrogant. And he's one of those guys like you look at, he feels like he's smarter than you. He's more talented than you. I don't, I, he doesn't strike me, even in a loss, he doesn't strike me as one of those guys that just sit up there and just be like, man, Will, we lost him. Oh, hope is lost. Like, Allen be up there like he lost his best friend. I'm like, man, what do I, where I need to send flowers to? Seriously. You know what I'm saying? Who, who I need to make it out to, you know, to the family or the, the bereavement, you know, like <laughs> you got the family of the, of the of the deceased. I need to, you know, like, what are we doing here? Like, like I'm serious, man. This dude, this dude press conference sound like a funeral. Like, no energy. 
I'm ready for the reboot. Michael Thomas looked like he still can make some noise. Yeah, Michael Thomas can make some plays. You know, they say he's not the same Michael Thomas of old, but I still look at him as the number one receiver because I feel like he's the receiver you can count on in a tough spot. I'm going to stop uh, wearing my glasses. I've seen enough this <laughs> of this season. Uh, I want to see Alave angry and play like it. Show everyone the true problem on the team is not you. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of scapegoats. Alave is the scapegoat this week. Carmichael was the scapegoat last week, a week before that, and a week before that. You know, I, I'm just waiting for the day where we just call it for what it is and say, you know, Derek Carr needs to take some responsibility for that. But D.A. looked like a deer in headlights on the sidelines and like he got laid off in the post-game press conference. Well, maybe one day that would be true, but he don't need to look like it today. Dennis Allen press uh, conference is dry as paint. <laughs> Says uh, in target, I guess that means a uh, spot on. Uh, if this team was to win, the rest of the season outright, it wouldn't uh, be because of Dennis Allen. It would be in spite of him. I agree. But sometimes, man, I take some in spite of. I take some in spite of wins. Like, as long as y'all winning. But I don't think it's going to be cons consistent success. Everybody is different. I already read that. I think we pretty much uh, caught up with that. It says, our boys got us putting uh, in the middle of who that. Uh, our boys got us putting is in the, the middle of who, who is that, right? Oh, gosh, that was that was clever right there. It took me some time. It's baffling that P. Carmichael didn't even want the job. Yeah, that tells you right there. Like I said, pure desperation right there. Like, we just want to keep things the same. Please, please come back. Please come back. Mm -mm -mm. Nah. Let's see. TJ say the Saints got sold and you – had to root for another squad. Who would it be? What team do you like? How they do business on and off the field? Um, now that's a hard question. Um, I still would be a Saints fan. I don't care if they got sold or not. <laughs> I don't care. Like, like, if they ain't the New Orleans Saints no more, they the some other Saints. I'm still gonna be rooting for them because that's my that's that's the team. Grew up, grew up watching them. But I mean, I can tell you teams that I enjoy watching. You know, I, I enjoy. As of right now, I enjoy watching the Detroit Lions, even though they got whooped by another team that I like watching a lot, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I like how the Philadelphia Eagles do business. Like I, I don't, mm, mm, I can't stand the team, and I don't think I, can, I don't think it's the team. I think it's the fan base. Like the fan, like those fans are like, my, my goodness, like rabid. But um, I like the way they do business. I like the, I like the fact. They they are never satisfied. Like they always looking to get better. Uh the 49ers are another team that I like watching. Um, I like watching the Seahawks. Um and I like watching the Dolphins now too. You know, I like watching the Dolphins as well. But there there's not a there's not a team that I just sit up here and be like, man, that's not my my favorite team right there. Like growing up as a kid, ironically, I used to like the Raiders too because of Tim Brown. I like Tim Brown. Um, of course, like it was pretty cool to actually have a player that was good with the same name as me. Um, and uh, you know, like I said, I you know, it, that was like the first wide receiver that I really liked. Um, but all in all, man, I ain't never like I ain't never like just 
loved any other team but the Saints. I can't see myself like rooting for no other team or wearing no other team, you know, buying or investing jerseys and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, I can't see that. I, I can't. I took psychology in, uh, in college as well. I can see the DA don't want to be here as hard as still in Vegas. DA is in over his head, and so is Pete. Well, Jody, I, I don't think that it's the fact that he doesn't want to be here. I think that it's the fact that he's in over his head. I agree with you on that. Um, I think when it comes to the body language, I just think that it just, he, he, he's lost. He, he's lost, and he's looking for answers, too. But you shouldn't look like it. You, you shouldn't look like it being in that position is all I'm saying. I'll take a few more, and then we're going to go ahead and get up out of here. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. We got 273 people watching this right now, so I'm just asking everybody to hit the like button um, if you enjoy the content. And uh, shouts out to everybody, man. Like, look, the State of the Saints podcast, uh, we've been – man, it's been absolutely amazing over the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, the show has been growing tremendously, uh, and I appreciate everybody for coming in, sharing, liking the videos, supporting the videos. Man, I, I cannot thank each and every one of you enough for this. Like, it, it means so much to me, and I, I really do appreciate it. I, I do appreciate this. Uh, it says, no way in the world am I not a hoodie. Yeah, I, I can't see it. Travis, I agree with you. I can't see it. Going to sue this team for depression. <laughs> emotional distress. <laughs> and man, I say he's taking the ball to the court for emotional distress. <laughs> Do y'all know the Saints have yet to score a touchdown in the third quarter through seven games? The Saints have zero touchdowns in the third quarter, and y'all wonder why we end up losing. Yeah, they barely scoring points in the first quarter, second quarter, or the fourth quarter. But, yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, Jerry says, thank you, TJ. Hey, Jerry, man, my mom loves you, man, like for real. Like we have conversations. <laughs> uh, she she loves a lot of you, though, know, like uh, Pammy and Tyra and all of them. She mentions you, all of you, but. I think you have a special place in her heart, man, because she's always talking about how supportive you are, and you have been. Like, Jerry, I, I got to talk about Jerry for a few minutes. Jerry, Jerry has been extremely supportive since this show started. I want to say I had, like, maybe four subscribers after two videos, and Jerry was one of the four. And I started this show back in 2018. So when I say, man, I got so much love for this man, like, for real, like, I, I really do. And, and so many others, you know what I'm saying? So many other day ones have been here, too. But, I mean, Jerry has been, like, really extremely supportive and 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 like i said so many others on here have been extremely supportive of the show uh you know come on throughout the years you know like i said pammy and tyra and chemo and chosen and you know josh and all these others so you know i say they've been like extremely supportive but uh, you know i say i got love for everybody here you know i don't care if you're day one or thousand and one like you all make this show what it is and thank you for making this one of the best things in the world to me. Uh says, do y'all realize the best scoring uh, has been when uh, D.C. goes to the no-huddle offense and calls the plays? Yeah, I see, I, I kind of noticed that, too. Kind of noticed that, too. That makes sense. Who, who mentioned that? Who, who mentioned that? I want I want to I, I say – I want to say Deuce may have mentioned that. Don't, don't quote me on that. But I think Deuce may have been talking about that. Deuce Wenham I'm referring to. Um, I think he he may have mentioned that um, rather on one of his videos or social media. I, I can remember like somebody talking about that, though. Uh, do y'all realize the bet already read that? It says at this point, uh, I'm out of ideas. 
I think you're not the only one here. Uh, it says, uh, if our team lose to the coach and next Sunday, TJ, our team is doing the same old stuff ever since last year and Andy Dalton on uh, at quarterback. Uh, though offense needs to fix the rhythm chemistry, get rid of P. Carmichael, Dennis Allen, Derek Carr, and Mickey Loomis. Well, it might be a little hard for Derek Carr because of his contract, but P. Carmichael and Dennis Allen, you definitely can do that. You definitely can do that. Um, says, uh, look at the Giants team right now. Things could be way worse. Hopefully our guys can collectively come together. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it could be worse. Says, I really appreciate you, TJ. Uh, appreciate you, Jerry. Thank you, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I look at the Giants. I mean, they won yesterday against the Commanders. Was that, like, honestly, um, Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor is not going to knock your socks off with his quarterback play, but he's not going to be the reason you lose. And I just think that sometimes, like, when it comes to Daniel Jones, he's the reason why the Giants aren't successful. But they stuck with him because they paid him a contract, and that was their fault. They didn't have to do that, but they did. They could have, you know, gave them a you know franchise tag. Oh, we don't want a franchise tag. Oh, well, Tyrod, you know, go ahead and finish the season. And then y'all could have probably been in a really good draft spot where y'all can get y'all quarterback of the future. But instead, y'all rolling with Daniel Jones. And now you can see. And then all, all of a sudden, like, guys really start to kind of get that, you know, mind frame like, ah, I already got paid. And now it's like, you know, now they don't really care, like, if the fans talk about they suck because I'm still going to get my money, right? They're not even thinking about getting better at that point. Buffalo Bills uh, had the best no-huddle offense ever ever back in the day when Jim Kelly uh, and the boys. Yeah, inevitable. Um, they had that called the K-Gun. Yeah, I remember that, the K-Gun. Yeah, they definitely uh, – yeah, they, they were one of the ones, the uh, grandfathers of the no-huddle offense. Yeah, but that kick gun was a, was a monster until they played the Dallas Cowboys and got beat to sleep 52 to 17 and got beat again, you know, in a couple more Super Bowls. I think they played them twice, if I'm not – no, three times. No, twice. They played them twice. Played twice in the Super Bowl. Third time, Cowboys played Neil O'Donnell and the Steelers. And uh, Neil O'Donnell was throwing more picks than Razor Ramon that day. But uh, it says uh, – if we're not going to win under DA, we need more losses for a better draft pick. Yeah, but I mean, David, well, what are you confident in what them getting? Uh, do, do you think they're going to be sit up here and be like, you know what, we were wrong about Carl, let's get a quarterback? Eh, I think we already know the answer to that, but instead, I think I'm going to let Bishop Bullwinkle tell you. Hell no, to the no, 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 hell to the no. We know they ain't going to do the right thing. Uh, let's see. And... Finally, uh, Jerry will end it on here. It says, uh, ever since 2016, I was finding ways to connect with Saints content creators and Saints fans and NFL fans. Yeah, I mean, look, that's a great thing. And there's a great space. And there's always um, Saints podcasters growing every single week. You know, it just seems like every week I see a different uh, New Orleans Saints podcast that's doing an outstanding job. Shouts out to the Boo Tragedy. Shouts out to Deuce Wyndham. Shouts out to that boy, Wolf and... Um, you know, and Adam, uh, shouts out to uh, all, man, man, shouts out to Hoodie Jube, shouts out to Aaron, um, man, just, there's so many different ones, Big Q, I mean, just do an outstanding job, man, uh, Nick Underhill, um, Ross Jackson, man, the list goes on and on, man, I, I gotta give a shout out to my boy, uh, Rod Walker and crew over there, Luke Johnson, 
Like, yeah, Rod Walker, my guy, man. I mean, they, they're, you know, I, I, I like the fact that they got like the little forum. They're a little bit more open, man. Like, as far as with the media, like, I don't know if y'all watching that, uh, but it's on NOLA.com. But they're a little bit more open, man. They, they ain't really sugarcoating over there. But I, I like the fact that everybody has their lane and everybody provides something different. Like any any Saints show that you pay attention to, if you notice, like there's always like there might be a little bit of, you know, some similarities. But there is it's such it is 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 so different like because everybody kind of brings their own different perspective in there oh yeah and i also got to think about boot, boot crew my boy uh chris over there boot crew but uh yeah everybody just does outstanding job man and and, and it's needed you know because when the saints were good you know there, there was very little commentary going on about them so it's good that you actually have people out here really just you know going hard for the team because if you don't then nobody else will uh yeah, but I mean they got so many different podcasts out there. I can say I I would skip a name, you know. I definitely would skip a name, you know, like because I mean they got so many they got so many out here. But it's it's not any disrespect to anybody. Um, if I if I didn't say their name because everybody does outstanding job. I mean if you if you uh, look up enough New Orleans Saints content on YouTube, they're they're gonna come up. Yeah, they're gonna come up. But uh yeah, yeah. I mean, all, all of them are good, you know. Uh, uh, every last one of them are good because you can tell, like, the passion is behind it. And I'm pretty sure they're going to have plenty more in the future. And there's going to be plenty more State of the Saints podcast episodes in the future because of fine folks like you. And thank you all so much for checking out the podcast. And uh, be sure to subscribe to the channel if you have not already. Hopefully we won you over. And, of course, uh, you can check out previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM, also, you can follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at TJAYJones8. And I really do appreciate your time. Uh, make sure y'all check out the HNSN Network. Go to uh, your, I guess, your, your Google Play Store or your App, Apple Store. You can download HNSN every Wednesday. It's a new episode of the State of the Saints podcast exclusively on HNSN. Uh, it's, a, it's a different episode you haven't heard. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the Saints game versus the Indianapolis Colts. What are the Saints keys to victory? I think it's time for us to close the book. It is what it is. Derek Carr yelled on the sideline. Chris Olave kind of, you know, let, left us a lot to be left a lot to be desired. I mean, look, all that can be washed away with a win versus the Indianapolis Colts. That means that it can go into the right direction. But can the Saints do it? I mean, the Indianapolis Colts looked impressive, even though they didn't have Anthony Richardson. But we'll talk about it a little bit more on HNSN episode of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you all so much. Enjoy the rest of your day, your evening, your night, whenever you're checking out this podcast. And like always, all I got to say is, who that? Hey, don't let these tears fool you. It's all dog around this mug. I'm good. <laughs>